Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week of Cinematics. A couple of really good movies for this week. We're really excited to talk about. This is episode number 228. I told Eric and Bruce I may take a backseat on this episode because my voice is raspy. I have a cold. I have been blowing snot through this Zoom, through my Zoom uh, camera and mic, and I've been disgusting, disgusting Eric and Bruce while I've been speaking. So, Bruce and Eric, are you up to the task for just pretty much commenting this episode? Yes. Take it away. Empty your purse. I'm, I'm <laughs> taking over. You take, you're taking over. Yes. And Eric, I, I will be happy if either you or Bruce take over because both of you are natural leaders unlike me. But the big movies we have this week are Out of Darkness and The Monk and the Gun. We may have, Eric and I may have to actually take Bruce off the Out of Darkness ledge because he kept saying it's the best movie in the last 500 years and I and we were telling him cinema hasn't been involved you know it hasn't been created for 500 years it's only been I don't know Eric what the last five years let's start in Star Wars when when, when was cinema when was cinema created Bruce five years ago starting with Star Wars 1976 Bruce do you remember the advent of cinema do you remember when it when it started did it start with uh, what what Jaws maybe or is that where we go back to uh, yeah, no. that's right. <laughs> silent era was that? Was that, was that a silent era considered uh, that, that kind of? What are those? Right, see, no, Charlie who? Uh, Eric, you, you silent film? Are you fan? Uh, are you a fan? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, Favorite depending on where film. you went, like, are, are we talking about just like someone rolling a camera at a sure. uh, in a moving sure. train, or are we yeah. talking about Elise Guy Blaché? Guy Blaché, very making good. the first narrative feature. Elise Guy Blaché, what did it, what did we do that? That was a documentary several years ago. Yes. How is that documentary? Uh, yes, I'm sorry, Eric. Go ahead. Oh, I forget, I forgot the name of it now. Be natural, I, I think. Very good. Yeah, very. Be natural. Something about Elise Guy Blaché. Great documentary. If not, if you haven't seen it, I'm not kidding on that. It's a great documentary. We covered, I believe, on Find Your Film way back in the day. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about it in cinematics, have we? No, we haven't oh, really talked about. Now that we stuff. did. Go check now it out. And be yes, natural. Be natural, and we have to. We will put that documentary link in our show notes. Because I've just been jesting the last minute and a half, but that's actually a serious recommendation on the documentary. Bruce, are you surprised that documentary has not gotten more run the last two or three years? Because it's such an excellent and important documentary, I think, as far as the first female director kind of thing. Yeah, but think about how many documentaries there are out there. It's kind of a glut of the market for documentaries. It's hard to rise above. And then you tell people it's about... Silent films, uh, people are just like, woo, it's just right out of their head right there. Oh, by the way, I thought, I thought about this. So Mm -hmm. you're worried about your voice. You you remember Mm -hmm. the song, Betty Davis Eyes? I'm sure you remember that. I think call you Mercedes McCambridge voice. Oh, Mercedes (laughs) Mercedes McCambridge. That is McCambridge. She's great. She was really good in Touch of Evil. She played sort of a biker lady. I remember that movie. But now, Patreon pick. Eric Holmes, for this month, the month of February, I could be wrong, Bruce or Eric. Correct me. We're choosing the year 1993. Do you have your? Is that correct? 1993. Do you have a movie pick for yes. Patreon this month? What is it? And I'm looking at the IMDb. It says 1993 right there. So I'm pretty okay. sure I'm safe. Okay. But uh, I know it is the untold story. But I think the full title is "The Eight Immortals Restaurant: Colon The Untold Story." This was a movie I saw like way back in the way back in the uh, the Splatterhouse days. We'd go to a friend's house and we just play like a double feature of horror movies like once a week. 
this was one of them they played and I haven't seen it since then. So it, it'll be good to revisit. Cause I remember very little. I just remember liking it when I saw it. So okay. this will be a fun revisit. And I think like, this might be something I think like Joseph Bridges might know about. And maybe one other per like, this is not a movie that's like widely known. I don't think, but I bet you Bruce knows about it. I'm, I'm sure Bruce has seen the untold story. Have you seen it, Bruce? I'm similar to Eric. I've I've seen it, but I don't remember too much about it. Other than I think it has to do with a real life story, kind of a semi biopic of a serial killer cannibal. In yeah, I, I remember. I, I like vaguely remember like some Sweeney Todd sort of stuff going on, but I don't know exactly because. And it's currently streaming, or it's on YouTube. You've checked. You've checked. It's on Just Watch. We can actually purchase it. You, you oh, check shoot. the whole Just Watch. Have you? Can you please check the the Untold Story while I ham it up with Bruce in a second? Yeah. yeah Share the Untold Story. Also, listeners, the second we we do two movies per month for Patreon, the other movie will be a Patreon member pick. So this month it's February seventh. In the next two days, I will get. I will be knocking on the boards of our Patreon members to choose the second film. I think we've chosen Ryan Smith's films the last, thank you, Ryan Smith, by the way, for your participation in the last two months. Let's get some more Patreon participation on board for the year 1993. The year 1993 was the year I graduated UCLA. I'm going to say it again. UCLA, great school that houses very in intellectual-minded people. Do you, do you agree, Bruce, on the, on the West Coast, Westwood, at UCLA? Do, when you think of UCLA, do you think I about mean, prestigious- I mean, if you're an indication, yes, yes, yeah. just geniuses. Yes, unfortunately, I'm, I was pretty much a dumb F, and I have no idea why they got me, but I, the one the good thing about UCLA was, did you guys know I worked at the UCLA Daily Bulletin for the last two years, from 91 to 93? I was a film critic, and I was a film columnist, so I've been doing press junkets and interviewing people and reviewing movies since the year 1991. What do you think about that, Eric Holmes and Bruce Berkey? What do you think? Great uh, accomplishment from for me? What do you think? I would say so. You say so. You, you speak to speak to your elders with respect, Eric, because I'm a I'm a respected journalist, right, Bruce? You don't look very serious. I mean, you, you are. You are. You I'm are. Not. No, really, you are. No, I'm really, I'm not. Really, I'm not. But, but thank you. But you're going to say something, Eric? You were you clapping your hands and giving a standing ovation. Oh, have to, but, okay. I, I, I'm just going to let you know that uh, the yes. Untold Story is streaming on Vudu, Tubi, Canopy. Uh, or yes. you can rent it on places for like four bucks, but it's streaming for free on Vudu and Tubi and all that stuff. That is excellent. So that was just, you. You can find it in short. Yes, and in truth, I am pretty stupid. I was lucky to attend UCLA. I'm lucky to have Bruce and Eric as my partners here over at Cinematics. I was just vamping and vaping and doing whatever aping while Eric <laughs> was finding whether the untold story is actually a story that should be told on streaming. And like again, if you have Tubi and Voodoo with ads, I'm assuming Voodoo with ads, everything should be fine. So the untold story, join us in Patreon this month while we talk about the untold story and the mystery movie from 1993. Maybe we'll have some other movies this I think this is the month where we actually look at movies from 1993, make that second pick. I'm not saying the Untold Story is not a good pick, but let's make the second pick a really cool one, too, to actually balance out the Untold Story, because that, that might be a movie I'm excited about. And I gave Eric a lot of guff several months ago for, for ALF, and it's a horrible running joke that I should stop. But I think that's I'm really excited to see the Untold Story. I would have never seen it if it wasn't for Patreon. Also, before we get to our featured films, next week there's a movie called Monolith. And some of you guys might like this movie. Some of you guys might actually really dislike the movie because it's, it's – I'm not reviewing it right now, okay? But there's got a couple a couple of cool things. It centers on a journalist slash podcaster played by – what is her name? The girl from Evil Dead Rise, Bruce uh, – Lisa Sullivan, is that the name? 
Yeah, that's a, that's, Lisa, that's a name. Right, I'll, that's Eric's right. going to look it up for me. Um, I think Is it Lily? Oh, yes. Lily Sullivan. Yeah. Thank you, Bruce. Lily Sullivan from Evil Dead Rise. She is the star of Monolith, and she's the only star of Monolith because it centers on a journalist who is trying to figure out the the mystery behind this black brick that appeared out of nowhere. And she creates a podcast out of it, and she interviews people. And as the narrative progresses, things get weirder and weirder regarding this black brick. The reason why some of you guys might love, love it is because it's... If you like Locke or these really closed-in performances, which just has one person in it, I'm trying to think of. There's Locke. There's a couple more other uh, kind of like phone booth a little bit too. Eric, I was Bruce, literally going to say phone booth. You were literally going to say, okay, so yeah, yeah, Locke, phone booth, these type of movies. If you like that genre, you might be interested in mon- Monolith. Some of you guys might say, oh, it's only one person in a house, and there's an exterior shot of the forest. Why am I watching this movie? Why isn't a pod? Why shouldn't it? it should just be a podcast? That will be the detractors of Monolith. Long story longer, the reason why I'm talking about Monolith, which comes out and we're going to review next week on February 16th, for our Cinematics Patreon listeners, I was able to talk to Lily Sullivan and the director, I believe is, I got to figure out what his name was. I think it's Matt Vesley. Matt, yeah, Vesley? Matt Vesley. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you, Eric. Matt Vesley and Lily Sullivan, they talk about the end of Monolith. And the end of Monolith is very open-ended, so I wanted to actually get their interpretations of the ending. Bruce and Eric have not seen that interview yet because they have not seen the movie. That would be a spoiler. But that spoiler stuff from Monolith coming next week will be a really big spoiler exclusively for our Cinematics Patreon members. Thank you guys again. Next, You know what? Next week, I'm going to rattle off all the names who are Patreon members for Cinematics, okay? So anyways, thank you guys. Whether you're a Patreon member or not, as long as you listen to the show and realize Bruce and Eric are really the brains of the operation, you're going to figure out this episode because I guess when I'm sick, I, I talk a lot faster. I guess that's my, my kind of vibe. They're going to be talking a lot more because... I, I, I was going to say, I was going to take over the show for you, but you seem to do... I'm a little bit faster when it comes to the sickness. I go a yeah. little bit fa- Bruce, am I going a little bit faster or is it normal spe- normal pace usually? What, what's going on? <laughs> I'm not timing you, so I don't know. <laughs> You're not. You better time me, Bruce, right now. Now, right now, our features. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce, with a, with a wristwatch, stopwatch. Our features. Movie called Out of Darkness. Hits theaters on February 9th, and it's set, I believe, 45,000 years ago, and it centers on these group of nomads, you could call them cavemen or cave women around that time, and they are lost, they are on a distant land that they don't know anything about. They've escaped their own homeland due to some tragedy, and they're now in a new area, and they're trying to forage for fruits, vegetables, meat, whatever they can get. Unfortunately, the land is seemingly barren, but it's really not. The land is not barren. There are other elements involved in the land, and these people, these this group, this tight-knit group, are trying their best to survive on the day-to-day. So it's essentially, if you've seen movies like Quest for Fire, I've not seen Quest for Fire, but if you've seen these any kind of caveman, cavewoman survivalist movies, you might know what you're getting with, with Out of Darkness. Also, this movie, it's in subtitles with a made-up language called, I believe, Eric, help me, Tolo? I think Tolo or something. Tola. Tola. Thank you, Eric. Thank you very much, Eric. It's a made-up language called Tola. It is directed by Andrew Cumming. One of his all-time favorite films is, I believe, Alien. He mentioned Alien, and there's a lot of precision in the directing. It's visually immersive. I really loved all the performances. Let me me also say this person, Safia Oakley 
Safia, Safia Oakley Green. She plays Bea, one of the outliers in the clan. She's one of the outsiders of the clan. And she has the most full and de fully developed character arc in the movie. For her performance in Out of Darkness, she received a British Independent Breakthrough Award back in late 2022. When the movie was called, I believe, The Origin, the reason why this movie is not called Origin is because of the Ava DuVernay film Origin, which is now out in theaters. So hence the title, the new title, Out of Darkness. So yes, Safia Oakley Green, she's fantastic in the movie, as well as the other Kit Young. He also he plays one of the the second in command warrior who is a little bit he's a little bit indecisive about how to lead this clan and he has a lot of questions. And it's a very well paced and tightly wound thriller, survivalist thriller as well. That is my thoughts on Out of Darkness. I'm going to start coughing like a like a maniac. Eric, why don't you take take over? Uh, yeah, I really like this one a lot. It's very similar to Dareman Now Stemice. I think Dareman Now Stemice is better. This one still kind of tickled the same kind of buttons that Dareman Now Stemice did. Basically got a group of people, like like you said, they're going to a uh, walking through uh, area and there's uh, something something in the woods uh, kind of chasing them down. I, I don't know how much of that we want. Well, I, I guess it's in the stuff, so it, it's fine. But yeah, there's a thing chasing them down, kind of similar to uh, Prey. Now, I did finally get around to watching Prey. I did like this a lot more than Prey, but it you know it's kind of similar to that. It has a lot of uh, atmosphere to it. And oddly enough, like, because they're out in the wilderness, it looks empty. If you think of, like, the beginning of Prometheus, where it's got the engineer on Earth, like, before anyone's there, it just looks empty. Or, like, uh, uh, maybe, like, uh, towards the beginning of Eternals, you know, where they're in early Earth, it, it, it just looks empty and kind of creepy. I guess one kind of knock I do have on this is that the characters look... Like they just stepped out of a shower, which doesn't really kind of really kind of help with the help with the uh, the look of the film. Um, but other than that, I thought it was kind of creepy and liked where it went at the end. And then there was another sort of uh, there's another thing going on at the end that I won't get into, but I really liked where they went there as well. But I kind of want to hear what Bruce has to say so I can say, no, you're wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not as high on this movie. I have a few problems. I, I definitely, right off the bat, the the how clean and kind of clean cut they were kind of threw me out a little bit. But I, I was willing to go with that. And the the atmosphere, the landscape, all of that is suitably rustic and bleak and uh foreboding and you know dangerous i mean as a survival landscape it's not a great place i one of the biggest problems i had was overall the plot to me was kind of generic slashery in a lot of ways and what i say what i mean by that is we're set up very quickly to know that these characters are they've been surviving in a super harsh environment for a while and in fact early on we have a like a storytelling moment around a campfire and the story they're telling is basically their own story, which is how they had to come across the sea, however long that sea is for them. I mean, you don't know how far. It might have been a channel. But they had to go through a lot of arduous things to get to where they are now, and they're still trying to survive. And one of my things about watching this movie is you to live in that environment in those days with the very limited resources you have, 
you probably have to be very cautious and pretty smart about how you do things. And they do really dumb things in this movie. I mean, there's a moment where, well, first of all, they're going to avoid the forest. Okay, that makes sense. Let's avoid the forest and go around it because the forest is dark, full of possible animals, could be very dangerous. Let's not just go charging through this forest we don't know. Well, then later they go into the forest and they not only go into it, they run headlong through it and start throwing their clothes off. The clothes that are probably keeping them warm. A forest they don't know. Uh, later on, once again, I'm not really giving out spoilers. Once, once later, this creature or whatever is out there that's threatening them at night. Uh, sure, we're in a forest we don't know, but he's facing a creature or something we don't know. Let's go run after it in the middle of the dark, in the night. We don't know what we're going to deal with, but let's just do that. It, I, I didn't believe that they would do that. Even if I did believe they would do it, I was annoyed by the kind of jump scary stuff that happened and also kind of the repetitive nature of it. It was like walking, fire, walking, fire, walking, fire. The worst part for me was the ending. The reveal didn't do much for me. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely was a letdown. And the reveal reveal, the final thing, absolutely as a concept i understood it and i respected it but in the reality what we were shown i did not believe it we are told that things are happening for a reason at the end i'm just going to leave it kind of vague we're told that things were happening at the end for a reason to recontextualize stuff that happened earlier but if you saw what actually happened earlier that makes no sense for what we actually saw so i think it's i think the big problem with this is the script I think they spent so much time on the setting and the language and all this stuff that the script was just not, did not work. It needed at least two more passes to make sense. Okay. So the reason why I went to the forest, in my opinion, is because when you are in the middle of potential trauma, you're going to do stupid things. I mean, there, there's something that happens to their clan that they really need. Logic says that they should not go into the forest, but they are trying to find someone and why were they throwing off their clothes okay the throwing off the clothes i don't know about that <laughs> the thing that's yeah. keeping you alive in a harsh environment you would not do that okay that i could i could i could uh, i'll give you points for that one but the rest of the movie for me was tensely mounted the third act where you see this ultimate confrontation i was on pins and needles this is a worthwhile watch for me for a second time i think that's a great debut from Andrew Cumming. I love pretty much almost everything about it. It's a near perfect film. Yes, Eric Holmes. I was just going to point out the, the they they went after the thing because yeah. like let, let's be the hunters, not the hunted. And it, it, there, there was a there was a particular time where like God, I'm going to say, talk, let's just say this. A basic concept of anything, anyone surviving in the wild is fire is life. Yes. If you're at night and you're being stalked by something, you would not leave your fire. You, the only position of strength you have at night against an unknown foe of unknown strength yeah. is to stay with the group with the fire. You would I, not yeah. leave that. I yeah. get that. But there, there was also the, the bit where. Yeah, I know. It's going to be the, hard to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is very hard it, to it, talk around. Well, look, but, but, I, but the, 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 someone got yeah. someone got a, a little too hot because yeah. a thing happened and yeah, right. you when, when that happens you kind of not you don't always do what that's you what should. I just said that's what I just said yeah. just yeah. Was, yeah. It, yeah there's irrational things happen when you're in the moment of trauma you, yeah. you have to act in but then like you said I, I'll give you I'll give you points on the clothes on it the so yeah, so and I guess what I want to ask Bruce though is because um I saw this and then I saw uh Bray, like not long ago 
like what like to me the, these two movies are almost identical so why is prey the good one and this one's the bad one well prey to me is far superior for the, these reasons to me not to my taste one is you have a main character who first of all quickly learns the situation they're in even though they don't know the exact nature of the predator they see it they realize they're in a danger and they realize that it's going to be a very difficult danger to attack and fight so the whole movie is about how does this character who were shown uses their wits and their hunting skills even though they're learning them somewhat they're still somewhat adept uses those to slowly beat the predator right this movie had i didn't see any strategizing really at all in fact i didn't see really any characters either i think the characters were more like traits than characters so to kind of explain their behaviors like this one is the hot-headed one this one's the old wise one this one's the outcast this one's the kid you know what i mean like so when they did things it was to me it was that thing where you do things to make the plot happen as opposed to the situation happens and the character reacts as a character. And I thought the character was much more of a fully fleshed character in Prey, which was granted a much more of a straight ahead action movie. Yeah. Oh, weird. I thought uh, as an action yeah. movie, it was elevated. And this one as a slow burn survival slash maybe character creature, whatever movie it was de elevated to me. Yeah. I'm on the, I'm on the flip side. I thought the characters were finally well etched, well done. Every single one of the characters you knew were really well developed, including Safia Oakley Green. I thought Bea was just a very memorable character. So you oh. and I are completely, um, which is good because that that's a uh, difference. Is I, I like yeah. different takes. Eric, what do you say? Oh, it's, I was going to say. Uh, I, I guess one of the big differences between this and Prey is, uh, as you mentioned, in Prey they do, you know, they see the predator. And this one, they're kind of they have uh, like they see the uh, aftermath of things, but they right. don't. What's that? Uh, oh, you would you What what about the predator here? Oh, and the, the predator, the they they or yeah, they they see the predator. They know what they're dealing with, just as Bruce said. In this one, they see things. They see aftermath. Right. They see droppings. They they know it's it's something, but they don't know quite what the how the bad is. it is. Yeah, yeah, they don't know what they're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, like, it, you know, to them, it could be like, man, this tiger's really hungry. So <laughs> let's run in the, yeah, you know, like, it could be just as something as simple as let's run in the forest and kill that tiger. And then come to find out, maybe a little more. All right. Out of darkness, 87 minutes. It's running hour and 27 minutes, 87 minutes, Friday, February 9th. Final thoughts, Bruce, and your rating. Mine is just that it's a, a for me, it's a ton of great opportunities not realized. So I give it two and a half. I mean, great production, looks beautiful, sounds great with the story that it's lacking. Great production, great visuals, great acting, solid script, excellent execution of the third act. 91% currently on Rotten Tomatoes with 35 reviews. My rating's an easy four and a half stars. Eric? 35 reviews. Wait till it has 100 reviews. We'll see. We'll and, see. And, we'll and see then it'll go higher. It'll go I, higher. I expect, <laughs> I, I, we'll see if I'm right. I expect the audience reaction to be much lower than the critic reaction on this one. Oh, very good, Bruce. We'll see. We'll see. Mm, I could Eric, actually see it. I, I could then again, see that. Everything I've seen so far has been mostly positive, so I could be totally on the opposite side of this one, but I, I just don't get it. I personally don't get it, but you guys don't get what I yeah. don't get, so there yeah, you go. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, so Eric, you're rating. I, I'm, 
uh, four stars on this one. I, I kind of like, had I not seen th- this is kind of like the, uh, this is kind of similar to the uh, Gran Turismo thing. Like Gran Turismo is not a bad movie. It's actually a pretty good movie, but I've seen Ford v Ferrari. Like this one, I like out of darkness a lot, but I seen Derman Man Them Ice, but then Derman Man Them Ice doesn't have the uh, thing in the woods. So that, that I think that's kind of the value added that their man does out some ice doesn't have. And I do I do like this one better than Prey. But okay. um I don't know I don't know that that's gonna be a popular opinion, but it would be interesting <laughs> to People see. I love Prey, dude. Yeah, but yeah, love Prey. I'll, also keep in mind I'm the guy that watched the the into the Spider-Verse movies. I'm like, I mean they're fine. <laughs> You're just like, I don't get it, man. <laughs> okay, so that's four stars for Eric, four and a half for me, two and a half for Bruce. Perky for this very, very interesting movie, Out of Darkness. Tell me, tell, let us know if you are in Bruce Perky's camp and you you don't find it, they, you, you kind of, uh, it was it didn't live up to your expectations. See it in theaters February 9th. I, Next up, I, yes. Real quick, I would say, uh, listen to Force 5, uh, Jason Kleberg, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, he gave this, a, I think he's kind of in, in between me and you and he, like, he, it, like right yeah. down the middle. So maybe listen to him. <laughs> yeah. No, listen to me. Four and a half stars. That, that's uh, Jason Kleberg, Force 5 podcast since 91, folks. Force 5 podcast, Jason Kleberg. He gave it three stars. Spoiler alert. But anyways, Jason Kleberg, just listen to that episode. Listen to more, more of his episodes. The Monk, the Monk and the Gun. It's written and directed by Paolo Choining Dorji. I'm mispronouncing the name. Paolo Choining Dorji. Fantastic filmmaker. The filmmaker behind Lunana Ayak in the classroom. We all love Pemzam. We all love that movie. Does he do what... Does he do himself better with his second outing, The Monk and the Gun? It centers on, quote, it captures the wonder and disruption as Bhutan Bhutan becomes one of the world's youngest democracy. I believe this takes place in 2006. And when it's becoming one of the youngest democracies, what happens is this remote village, they send some kind of census taker to go or whatever uh, to make sure that all the villagers in this small remote village registered to vote and they, she want, they also want to test the efficacy of these voters by staging a fake election. So there's that subplot. There's another subplot where an assist, a monk who's an assistant to the big monk in the in the village, the assistant is assigned to get a gun from any of the villagers. And so you, there's another subplot of the assistant monk who's a monk himself, going around town, going around the, these mountains and these remote areas to find, knocking door to door and seeing people have a gun. There is also another subplot of a, I don't know if it's an American or just basically a foreigner. It's an American, Bruce? I think, yeah. okay, I so, think they said he was an American, yeah. Okay, so yeah. he's an American and he's looking for a special gun, okay? And there is a, a Bhutanese uh Driver, he has a driver who escorts him around this area to find a special gun, which may be within that area. So you have these three plots and they all intertwine. It's very interesting because Lunana, a yak in the classroom, was a singular story. Paolo, he intermingles all of these stories, which is interesting. And for me, overall, at 107 minutes rated PG-13, this is as a little bit more leisurely. I mean, I'm not saying... Lunana is leisurely, but this one has a little bit more. I don't know. There's there's a different kind of vibe to this than Lunana. I enjoyed it. It has a little bit of comedy. There is a very nice symbol of of an extra appendage or a, a limb, a red limb at the end, which family seems show, Greg. 
Yeah, it's a family. It's a family <laughs> show. There's a fam. There's a family kind of situation that happens at the end, but within the context of Buddhism and what these people are feeling and what they're all about, it actually brings a, a level of comedy and a little bit of resonance to the proceeding. I really enjoyed The Monk and the Gun. It's a great, solid follow-up to Lunana Ayak in the Classroom. Eric, your thoughts on the movie? This one was really good. And the I wasn't expecting the comedy. It feels like a satire, but I'm not sure if it is. And and the only reason I say that is because, well, like, with Lunana Ayak in the Classroom and this, like, it's... Um, as far as I can tell, it's stuff that they've had to deal with. So maybe just, you know, by virtue of the fact that people do a thing that it could be seen as a satire, even though it's not explicitly meant to be. But then there's other things that happen in it that it's like, no, they, that could not have just been a coincidence or an accident like that. They're making commentary on something, but I don't know that for sure. I, I would just say if you watch this as a satire, especially with uh it opens up with they talk about they want to have the the, the kings relinquishing their power and the area is going to have their first election. And then the the titles say uh, the government's going to teach the people how to run an election. I was like, well, I mean, that that sentence alone is just ridiculous. But I mean, how else are you going to do it, I suppose? But just the way the elections are run. The way that the monks, which I guess would be kind of like religion, kind of interferes or messes with things. Uh, the way that uh, the the people interact and how they have their own kind of thoughts on how elections should be ran or how they misunderstand certain things. The part where the people teaching them how to do an election, one of the things they teach them is, no, you're for blue, so yell at the red people. No, you're red. You need to yell the. It's like that. That's not a feature. That's a flaw in the election system. The 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 two parties like just going back and forth, and they're literally teaching them how to do that, and not that it's a bad thing. But no, this is what you're supposed to do. They're the other people. You gotta hate them. Why? Because I guess the ending of this is pretty fantastic. I thought it was going some direction, and it went like I, I don't. There, there's no way that you could figure the end would in the way it did. Even knowing that something different's going to come up, I, I can't imagine anyone would be like, "Oh yeah, this is going to how it turns out." But it, it didn't feel like a cheat either. It, it like kind of earns everything. And uh, the only thing this movie's missing is Pem Zam, but you know, can't have everything, I guess. Yeah, Pem Zam is currently. I, I interviewed Powell earlier this week, and he said Pem Zam is in the Royal Academy School over in Bhutan. He's one of her guardians. So hopefully she'll be in nice. his movies down the road. Yeah, definitely nice. And yeah, the ending, I agree with you. The ending was pretty interesting and out of the blue and I think resonant and really well done. The really well done film by Power Training Dorji. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I really like this movie too. I think that after seeing two movies, I don't know if it's the filmmaker or if it's a kind of a combination of the filmmaker and just Bhut Bhutanese society. Uh, you know how where you see these movies and you you get them like you get the basic concept of both movies like i would say the first movie is more about you know young man kind of learning to mature and to like have more meaning for his life than just his own selfish needs and then there's also kind of a love story as well but that's kind of the basic path of that movie and it's like you said more focused whereas this one i think is more of a somewhat of a social satire but both of them have they they are not bound to a western like pace or exactly plot line or you know, it's just like you're gonna just kind of go with this 
and you have to kind of settle into the, the tone and you have to relax a little bit and let it happen. And like you said, the satire here where some, you know, you might get a satire in American. It might be this really biting, like scathing thing here. It's just very gentle. Everything's gentle. And, but, but the, it's there. If you want to find it, it there's a lot of great, th- just little things too. And I think Eric mentioned this offline too, that, you know, they walk into this room where they, there's a couple rooms have TVs or a couple houses have TVs now in this town, this little village, which ga- seems to gather like 20 people every time there's a TV somewhere. And they're like, the guy the guy comes in and can you give me some of that black water or whatever he calls it, <laughs> which is like a Coke or a Pepsi or whatever. And just little moments like that that are just really great. And just little things like uh, there's the uh, the foreigner, the American, but the foreigner, you know, like uh, he has to travel however many hours to get something. And then he finds out he has to go travel another day to go get something. And then he has to travel yeah. another day. And it's just it's just like, hey, you're in Bhutan. If you want to do something, you're going to travel a day to get to it. Yeah. Uh, just the interweaving stories. Once again, they're just, you're not quite sure where they're going, but they all do go someplace. I I found this to be quite subtly, like quietly, gently. It, it was like, it didn't, it didn't make me like just jump up and go, yay. But it kind of made me feel like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm in safe hands. You know, like we talk about that with um, <laughs> Haynes, right? You're in safe hands. I just feel like with this director, I'm in hands and that are going to guide me along and I'm going to get someplace and I just have to trust it and it works. I, I also, really enjoyed it. Yeah, we, we also have to mention the actors involved in both of these movies, Lunana, Yak in the Classroom, and The Monk in the Gun. He doesn't pick real actors. He picks mainly non-actors and he actually casts people. Based seems to be his, working for him. Yeah, and he casts actors based on their lives. Pem Zam, she didn't have a mom. Uh, her father was alcoholic came from broken home put that he put that into the story of luna the backstory of pem zam's character and in lunana pem zam plays a a character played named pem zam and at the end of lunana when you see pem zam cry crying that's actually her crying not it's actually happened in the moment so a lot of these characters that in both of his films he draws inspiration from their real lives and then he writes a story based around their lives so it's interesting sort of a neo-realistic touches from both of his films it gives it a sense of authenticity regarding the visual flair in a second eric you want to say yeah I, does this mean that the the one guy was offered 70 thousand for a gun that, and said no that's too much yeah that's a great question i only had 10 minutes with powell i should have actually asked that question Dude, that, was that, such a, so that was such a great scene he's like uh the guy translates it back to the 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 foreigner the american he's like what <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah it, it was it was like an anti uh what do you call it like an anti deal a deal making yeah. thing yeah so that that's uh eric is referencing a, a situation where there is a deal situation regarding a very priceless gun that is eric's reference to that scene in the film in the monk and the gun the gun being the one that's very priceless so 107 minutes rated pg-13 directed by power joining dorji bruce what's your rating uh my rating oh real quick i wanted to mention on top of what you just said about the gun a perfect that's a perfect example of how the stakes are so much different like in this movie the stakes are all about a mock election not even an actual election it's a mock yeah. election and where the parties are freedom and equality versus conser- conservation versus development. That's the parties that are quote fighting, you know, anyway, uh, my rating will be yeah. four and a half. 
One half for Bruce. Uh, I'm gonna give it four stars. What about you, Eric? Um, I might be four and a half too. I kind of want to go five on this, but I'll 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 go four and a half with room to grow. Just because like, I'm jump. Because <laughs> like I didn't even I didn't even really catch on to the humor until like about halfway through, and I'm like, oh, this movie's funny. Like I wonder if I go back and watch this, if I'm gonna pick up a lot more comedy that I just wasn't ready for you know, wasn't expecting early on, you know, sometimes like uh, you watch it and it's like, Oh yeah, that was pretty good. That was a little funny. And then you'll watch it again. Like Boogie Nights. That's a great example. Like I did not see Boogie Nights as a comedy, but after I watched it like 10 times, I'm like, that's one of the funniest movies ever made. And from both the, the monk and the gun and Lunana yak in the classroom, some critics may say, Oh, it's so visually expressive. It's just so very interesting. But you look at something like Lunana and it's beautiful Vista shots. They, I was watching old interviews. They were working on solar power and they had to lug that camera equipment. That walk to that area was literally the walk they needed. So they only had a certain camera and a tripod and a fixed state. So sometimes simplicity in filmmaking can lead to really visually interesting shots. The same thing with The Monk and the Gun. There aren't any elaborate, amazing takes, but both of these movies, The Monk and the Gun and Lunana Yak in the Classroom, especially because of their location, just they're very eye-catching movies. Four for me, four and a half for both Bruce and Eric. Again, The Monk and the Gun in theaters, February 9th. Now we're moving over to recommendations. Bruce Perky, you have a lightning round of three movies. So you're, you're, yes. me and Eric, we're going to have a pina colada, and you're going to just... Well, I don't know. I don't know if Eric or you or have about... seen either any of these movies. I know maybe Amy you've seen. Uh, I was doing a little uh, two catch-up movies from 2023 and one movie that's been on my docket forever. I don't know. I, for some reason, I was never a huge Amy Winehouse fan, but I also always kind of felt like the, there was a, a lot of terrible tragedy there that just kind of got untapped. And I don't know if I was just wasn't ready to to tackle Amy. But uh, this week I watched Amy. That's on HBO Max, which, of course, is a documentary about the very short life of Amy Winehouse. If you don't know much about her, it probably will be pretty impactful. If you were a fan of her, it'll probably be even more impactful. Once again, some of the strengths are that the first half has tons of archival footage from her at a very young age. Um, before she broke big, probably the first half is just tons of her just doing really her jazz stuff and her passion for it. And also... This is one of those few movies where you really see like a performer who, you know, died young under like lots of addiction and lots of other issues. And you really see how a performer who loved the art, but was not ready or even emotionally available for the fame that become thrust upon them. And once that was there, they were absolutely not equipped for it. And uh, it's kind of horrible to watch, but important to watch because sometimes we just kind of assume that these tabloid things happen and we just assume like, oh, you know, we can uh, make fun of it just like everybody else. And when you see those moments in here, you're like, wow, that's a, that's a real person that's just dying inside. And her father does not come off well in this movie. And that is something, if you haven't seen it, will, I think, probably impact a lot of people too because there's some moments later in her life where he should have done things that he didn't do and it's bad that he didn't anyway amy is pretty great i gave it four stars uh next one is on max this came out last year dicks the musical <laughs> i don't know 
what you all know about Dick's the Musical. But this is uh, directed by Larry Charles, known for Borat and a bunch of other stuff. This is quite, <laughs> quite a brash, loud, and very particular kind of comedy that is not for hardly anyone, but for the people it's for, it's probably really for them. Kind of the epitome of a three-star banger, I would say, in that sense. It's basically two characters, Trevor and Craig, played by Josh Sharp and Aaron Jackson. They play identical twins that are not identical at all, but they call them identical twins, who have been split up since birth have been working for the same company at different buildings. They don't know that each other exists. Uh, they both are very, very straight, in quote. <laughs> like <laughs> two not straight men playing aggressively straight men in this. Very terrible guys. And then they come to discover through somewhat of a happenstance that they are identical twins who were split up at birth. And they decide that what they really missed in their life was that they never had a true family because their parents were split up. And they decide to go undercover as each other to the opposite parent and get try to get their parents together. This is a wildly silly, loud, offensive movie. Ridiculous in almost every way. Oh, Megan the Stallion's in here as well. And Megan Mullally. And why should I forgetting his name? Nathan Lane. If you like crazy musicals, you like really silly, weirdo comedy you might give this a try. If you make it a half an hour through and you get to the sewer boys, if the sewer boys make you laugh, you are probably in for the long haul. And if they make you want to run screaming for the hills, then you probably should do that. This movie on IMDb is getting one out of 10, a lot of one out of 10s yeah. and a lot of 10 out of 10s. Yeah. Like I said, this is a particular flavor that you will hate or you will love. <laughs> it's no in between on this movie. It is, well, it's kind of like the, uh, when I went on, I hated... um. What was it? Uh, Where was within? Destroy all neighbors. Oh, destroy all, destroy all neighbors, right? It was just yeah. to me. It was just loud and and so like painfully unfunny. This is loud and painfully unfunny for a lot of people, guarantee. And and add to that that it's a musical. I mean, you might as well just kill somebody on the spot for most people in this movie. But some people might enjoy it. I quite enjoyed it actually a lot. Yeah, so. Got Bo and Yang in it too. That guy's hilarious. Uh, yeah, Bo and Yang plays God. In this movie. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. You sold. <laughs> That's amazing. What is your rating, Bruce? My realistic rating, I say I would right now I'm about four stars, but some scenes are five stars. It could go higher. I think it to me it it, it wanes just a little bit at the end, but there are some absolutely amazing moments in this. I would say realistic for most people, think three star banger. If it's for you, you'll know pretty quickly. If it's not for you, you'll know pretty quickly. The director is Larry Charles of Seinfeld and Bruno fame, and he's yes. had a, quite an illustrious career in helming some very controversial, interesting comedies. So who knows? Is well, this, yeah. And the two stars, so it's, I think, more than Larry Charles. It's the two stars. This is their cinematic version of their two-man off-Broadway play. So this is really their vision with his like more cinematic sensibilities thrown on top of that, I'm sure, because it was very, very stripped down. In fact, there this is also one of those movies that has the the outtakes and, <laughs> you know, like clips and stuff. And they show a little clip of their two their off-Broadway play in the closing credits, as well as Nathan Lane doing a scene, which I will not describe because you want to see it and discover it for yourself, saying that it might be his most embarrassing moments he's ever done on film. And it might be one of his funniest. It's, it's a lot. Bruce, I am completely ignorant. When Dick's the Musical came out, do you have any idea if 
it got garnered the audience it should have received or do you think it's an underrated i mean uh, there's the one to 10 ratings but do you feel that this movie hasn't gotten its proper due maybe this is just a cult a cult movie like through and through this is like like a john waters musical or something you know or like a neo version of that this is no way this is going to gain a mass audience i mean it will gain its audience for sure but very, it, very it'll, I think now, in fact, is a perfect time for it to gain its audience because, you know, streaming. she's going to ch- check this yeah. out in the theaters. But now people are going to be able to dip their toe in and, and the, the every hundredth person, this will be like, oh, wow, this is this is totally for me. But basically the, the long won't. the long game for Dick's the Musical is looking very promising, pretty much because. Yeah, the long so Dick's the Musical game um, <laughs> is. What was that? Yes, oh, I, don't know. Yeah. I don't know what did i say yes family show but uh, bruce is starting to have to actually garner some of the humor of dicks the musical running at 86 minutes released 2023 and he gave it four stars four stars four stars with with room to grow so many more inches um <laughs> so many more i, I really one... really i'm curious to hear what eric thinks of this movie because eric could love this movie and he could hate this movie the last one i might the last recommendation i might strike from the record because Personally, I have had my share of heartbreak from, oh, let's say, several Korean women. They have always had my heart. So I don't even know if we should go with this movie, Bruce. You might just tear me to pieces with this, with your review. Well, Past Lives, yes. This is on Paramount Plus now for anyone who get it. This is, first of all, I would say this is probably totally a Greg movie. I'm just going to say that right now. This is probably, eh, this could or could not be an Eric movie because this is definitely quiet indie drama you know so this may not be his cup of tea this well, is... wait, i bet you eric would like it though because yes. sometimes eric will like really well done stuff yeah. of that ill kind of like how you are with action stuff i think if he went in with the mindset of that's the kind of movie he was going to see then he could really love this movie because it is oh. very very high quality this is this is right out of the gate five star movie for me this would have probably made my top 10 Probably would have made my top 10 if I had okay. seen it early enough. Kind of like, I'm trying to think what we should compare to. Well, I don't want to say Drive My Car because it's really not like Drive My Car. First of all, it's not that long. It's not that many characters. The basic concept of this movie is, uh, first of all, it's directed and written by Celine Song, starring Greta Lee, Teo, Yo, Teo Yu, and John Magero or Magero. But um, if you know Greta Lee, uh, who do you know Greta Lee from? I know her from the The, the Morning Show. Yeah, The Morning Show. show. Yes. Yeah. It's the most popular one, I think. Yeah. And she really kind of has, I got really knew her from that. And I was like, wow, she's makes a real presence there. Uh, here, she has to play a little more of a subtle character. But the basic concept is this. You have uh, two young kids. They're really kind of best friends. They're kind of semi-crushing, but you can tell they never really go forward with it. And then right about that time, the Greta Lee character and her family immigrate to America. And he stays behind. And then about 12 years later, they reconnect online. Like they, one of them's looking for the other and the other one finds out and they reconnect online and they talk and they really reconnect there. And then I will don't say exactly what happens, but then 12 years later, they have a reason to come together again. This is one of those movies that's, it's going to hit you from all understanding. I haven't seen any of the before sunset series. It's in my box in the box right now, Oh my God. but my understanding is this hits the same kind of notes as that, where it's all about the right people, but at the wrong time, like you're, you're just never in the right place at the right time to have that connection. And 
like some of those movies, they really, really kind of hit that sort of combination of longing and heartbreak and missed opportunities and what could have been. And a lot of times those movies will just never really have the characters quite address it. They'll just kind of live in that state. But what I thought was really interesting with this movie is they address it. And there's amazing movie moments later on in the movie where I don't even want to tell you that's I'm just saying, I don't want to say it because when discovering it, it's really fantastic. This is just one of those movies that if you like those very, very extremely well-written subtle relationship sort of movies, it will probably tear you up a little bit, but it's also just beautiful and super subtle. And the acting, this is one of those movies also where the words that are written are not near as much as the just in your moment face and character acting that has to occur here to work. And I would say both tail you as the guy and Greta Lee do so much acting off the page, you know, not in the script words, but in the actual moments that they're sharing together. It's quite something. Did you get almost, did you almost get a teary eye towards the end or? Yeah. I mean, not towards the end. Oh, it's weird. This is one of those movies where, yeah, it, it's, it's sad and wistful, but it's not hopeless. I guess Ooh. I would say. Uh, and the the meaning of past lives is actually very explicitly explained in a way that's very interesting. Yeah, I can't quite get why it is that. I'm not going to tell you, but it's this is a fantastic movie. Yeah, I've been personally, I've been avoiding this movie because it's <laughs> right up my out. wheelhouse, and it'll make me remember what it was like to be a human again. Uh, me <laughs> at UCLA, 1992. Uh, I'm not going to mention her name, and uh, down the road, down the road, there, there were a couple more of those. This could hit you a little bit. This could hit you a little bit. This could hit me a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's that's TMI, but that's our recommendations. We are now finally with the box movie, Bruce, by the way, Pete, I told Pete, we're not going to drop the beat anymore, but I wanted to actually be a service of middle-class film class because they are a classy organization. They do really great work over at middle-class film class. So we're going to just start playing their spots every single week. So, you know what? We can still say Pete dropped that beat, but it'll be a commercial. So, Pete, drop that ad beat. <laughs> hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. All That's right. Awesome. You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My my trans yeah, has no power, power over me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, All right. we're we're back. What's your oh, box? Pete, beat that ad. <laughs> beat that ad. Very <laughs> <laughs> good. All right. So for anyone who listened to last week's show, they're going to hear a different box movie this week because I had a really hard time finding the movie that was the um, Robbie Banfitch from the Outwaters suggestion. I want to think it was called, oh, I forget what it was even called now. I have it. Here. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. The guy who did the Outwaters gives you the most obscure movie yeah. to find. On Bad Blood. It was also known as something else. I looked at both, both titles. I found like little mini like reviews and like trailers and stuff, but I couldn't find the actual movie very well. So I said, well, who else should I go to? But uh, Joseph Bridges had made a recent suggestion for something to go in the box. I said, okay, that's what I'm going to watch. So I ended up watching 
A Christmas Tale. It goes by a couple different names, but it's called A Christmas Tale. It's a Spanish movie directed by Paco Plaza. If you don't know that name, it is the he, they, I don't know if it's he or them, director of Rec, R-E-C, which is probably one of the best found footage movies ever made. If you've never seen it, it's fantastic. This is a weird movie. First of all, this movie is only about an hour and 11 minutes, hour and 15 minutes. You can find this in a lot of places for free, YouTube and Tubi and all that kind of stuff. I believe it's of several places. And I think this was originally a television movie. I think there was a series of horror TV movies, and this was one of them. But that being said, it has gore and all that. It's not like really censored or anything. A basic concept of this, and Eric might want to pipe his ears up on this one. Basic concept is uh, you've got all these kids. It starts out almost like a Goonies movie or something. It's supposed to take place, I think, in 1985. This is done in the early thousands originally. Almost like a Goonies or one of those kind of movies where it's a bunch of kids, you know, and they're all, you know, adventurous and running around, having fun. And it's like a few days before Christmas and they find a hole in the ground. And there is a person, a woman in a Santa costume at the bottom of the hole. (laughs) well well, this is where it gets weird so the kids discover very quickly that this person robbed a bank and they did it in a santa costume uh because you know they could do that you know get out with the money and no one would look think to look for a santa person in a santa costume and you know so that's how they they got away with the money so you would think in this kind of movie like oh what are the kids going to do they're going to be terrorized by the santa or what's going to happen well, these kids, at first you think they're all kind of this fun, fun-loving Goonies types. Well, at least two of them are not such great kids. And their basic concept is, well, should we just wait? Should we turn her in? Or should we make her tell us where the money is and just not feed her until she tells us? <laughs> or should we let her die and then get the money? <laughs> I mean, that's how dark they get. So let's just say that's all you really need to know about this movie. It goes weird places that I wasn't expecting. It is definitely one of the oddest Christmas-based horror movies I've ever seen. I mean, it's low budget and all that, so it's not going to be super stylish or anything. But there are some fantastic moments in this movie. And I guarantee that you will not expect exactly what this movie is. It's it's odd from the beginning and it's odd all the way throughout. So this is definitely a kind of a, a hidden gem for horror fans. It, I'd never even heard of it. Oh, very cool. So, and you like the wrap up then? You like the wrap up of this movie? I did like the wrap up and it actually went, it went in a direction I kind of expected and then it totally went in a direction I did not expect. So it, it's, it's, I think satisfying for me as a horror fan, I found it really satisfying. And I was really satisfied by the fact that you have these characters that usually are just played, like I said, like a Goonies type bunch of kids. And they're all kind of, of, of a similar like moral compass. Whereas here you've got them really, you know, discussing and fighting over what to morally do with this, you know, captured, you know, possible criminal. And at least a couple of them are just have no qualms and just like being the worst, you know, the worst of all. Does it get gory or violent? A bit. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, you wow. see the, the poster, the poster is like the, the woman all beat up in the Santa costume with an axe. So, you know, gives you a flavor. Okay. So that is A Christmas Tale. And what was you rating it? Like five stars? Um, okay. four, no, four I'm stars. probably three and, a half, three and a half stars on this. It's yeah. solid. I mean, this isn't like an all-time classic, but this is definitely like a hidden gem. Like this is one where you just, you would expect it to be just a terrible cheesy B movie. And when you watch, you're like, wow, this movie has a lot more going for it than I expected. 
Okay, that is very cool. That is a Christmas tale. Bruce, that is that was your box pick for this week. What is your box pick for next week? What's know. in the bleeding box? What's, What's in the box? box? I'm going to put the Robbie Banfitch one back in, too, because one of these Perfect. days it might be available and I can actually you have, get it. Do you have what year Bad Blood is? Because I, I just looked it up and I found like 30 movies called Bad it's Blood. It's Portuguese and it's like 2006, I want to say, something like that. It has another name, like Blood Curse or something. Okay, this is suggested by Mitch Burns. Hey, oh, Mitch cool. Burns. Mitch Burns, Hollywood persona. The Stanford Prison Experiment from 2015, which I oh, have nice. not seen. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it either. Eric, you've seen it, I'm sure. You've enjoyed it? Yeah, is that the... Shoot, I yeah, forget. Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch is in it. Yeah. Yeah, Stanford Prison Experiment. Oh. Yeah, that, I really like that. Someone, <laughs> someone got on my case about it, though. I was like, oh, that was a cool movie. And they're like, you, you realize that's not real science. I'm like... I don't care. It's yeah. still an experiment oh, no. someone did. So I'm, funny. I'm assuming it's a movie about the thing that they did. Not You can make a movie about a flat earther and not believe in flat earth. You're just watching a movie about someone that believes in the thing. Okay. Anyways, we will People be make back Bible next... movies all the time. Yeah. yeah. We'll be back next week with Land of Bad. I think Eric and I have seen it. The movie is currently embargoed. It's a new film from... William Eubank he is the director of Underwater and The Signal and Love. His new movie is mm-hmm. Land of Bath. That'll be one of our features for next week. It stars... Underwater and The Signal are both good. Yeah. I was telling Eric The Signal was a good movie. He was wondering about... Yeah, he still hasn't seen The Signal. He's seen Love. Eric will be interviewing William Eubank on Thursday. For more of Eric's interviews, check out our Cinematics YouTube channel. And I'll also be interviewing William Eubank as well sometime tomorrow at 9 o'clock. So it should be Let's very just both ask them the exact same questions. That will be very In the exact same order, in the that'll, exact same tones. <laughs> that'll be very, very, very funny. So any uh, final thoughts, Eric? Um, No, not really. Uh, check out the merch store and check out all the interviews and such. And uh, check out Out of Darkness. Let us know if you feel the same way about it. And more importantly, but yes, podcast Monk and Oregon, whichever one, just watch them both. They're pretty great. <laughs> just right. watch everything. Yeah, just watch everything, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, I agree too. I, I actually would love to hear why I'm wrong about <laughs> or why you're right. Or why you're right. I mean, that's fine too, but I mean, it, I hear it. I mean, I might be swayed. Who knows? It's possible. And Monk and the Gun, I think that's the hidden, the hidden uh, find this week that no one probably is going to be talking about. So. Once again, we're going to raise the uh, yak flag on this one, I think. Yes, definitely raise the yak flag on the good gun. And out of darkness, that's great when we all disagree on something. It, it just makes for really good, in my opinion, if you discussion enough already for this episode. Here's Claire. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematic.